Crypto is dead. Of course, it's been declared dead before. By some counts, Bitcoin alone has died hundreds of times. So far, being called dead usually happens right around the bottom before a huge bounce back. But is this time different? Could the FTX disaster destroy trust in crypto worse than the depegging of Luna or Three Arrows Capital imploding or Celsius freezing or BlockFi or Voyager? All of those platforms blew up because they were over leveraged and undercapitalized. Same basic pattern every time. And you'd think that Sam Bankman Fried would know how it works by now. He's the FTX founder and CEO who stepped in to bail platforms out. He's kind of become the central bank of crypto exchanges, but with one little problem. His unlimited money printer only printed FTX tokens, which are not really worth anything in the real world. If you've been following the story, you know that Binance was going to bail FTX out, but took one look at their books and backed out. This morning, apparently a decentralized platform called Tron is working on a plan to save FTX. Never heard of them. We'll see. We do know that Sequoia Capital, one of FTX's largest backers, told their investors that they now consider their $213 million investment in FTX to be worth zero. Uh, fun fact, according to Bloomberg, our friend Sam Bankman-Fried now holds the record for the largest single-day loss of wealth. He lost 94% of his net worth instantly in one day, but he is still worth nearly a billion dollars, so zero sympathy from me. Today on Dumb Money, will confidence in crypto be permanently damaged, or will it just take another bull market for the euphoria to return? We'll let you know what we're doing now that, once again, crypto is dead. You're listening to the Dumb Money Live podcast. Hey there, Dave here along with Chris and Jordan. We are Dumb Money. Welcome to Dumb Money Live. I do have an important public service announcement this morning. I'm guessing there's someone out there who needs to hear this. Use a self-custody crypto wallet. Your keys, your crypto. I can't reiterate it enough. Uh, if you don't mind helping us get that word out, it is as easy as smashing the like button. Chris Jordan, I kind of stopped watching my crypto on a daily basis, so... I think for people like me, use this disaster as a reminder to go check out all of your old online wallets, consolidate into something where you have the keys, something that's not on the internet. Uh, I, I, I posted a video like four months ago over on Hey There Dave here called Crypto Bank Run is Imminent, and that is exactly what happened at FTX. All it took was some tweets questioning the stability of FTX. That triggered a three-day bank run of an estimated six to eight billion dollars, and that sent FTX into crisis. So... What do we what do we do here? I feel like I feel like this is the episode Jordan's been waiting on for four years. No, I take no joy <laughs> in this. I've never been big on crypto. I think I had um, at my height, I had 0.1% of my liquid net worth in crypto. Um, and so, look, I mean, I just don't think this is a time to mess around and crypto right now. That mess around at all bunch. or like I, I moved everything into Bitcoin and Ethereum. Uh, we've yeah. seen them. They they dropped 20% after this FTX thing. They're down 70% uh, since their highs. Um, I, I'll tell you what I've done with mine. I, I talked about it four months ago in that other video. Chris, you're still I, in I, crypto, but a limited. No. You're out no, completely. I, for, first of all, I want to know. I, I, I really want to know the why more than the what, right, on your account, Dave. Um, I'm, just, I'm just curious. For me... Uh, I've been out of crypto for a while, so the only thing I own that's crypto related are, uh, you know, roughly, I'm going to say roughly 50% of the NFTs that I had at the peak um, that I did not sell. Uh, those are in a deep loss situation right now for me. 
some of those are more, I would say, uh, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll retain for the artistic and the just there's there's i plan on holding this some of them forever you have right? some so high just, value nfts that were high yeah. value at a point and yeah. nobody cares about nfts right now uh, you got me to buy a crypto punk i still have it in a wallet it it's all down it's 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 all down so so i i have that but i really don't pay much attention to that market and probably won't for a while um, I've only had one thesis that I've repeated on this show over and over and over again the last few years as it pertains to crypto. You guys have heard me say it so many times. I'll say it again. Um, I, I don't I don't I'm not bullish or bearish on crypto in general or Bitcoin or Ethereum. Um, my thesis has always been too big to fail. That's the only thesis I had any interest in um, at any point where I saw crypto kind of approaching the point of too big to fail. Uh, the tipping point where I thought institutions on a global basis were going to start to allocate um, meaningful percentages of their assets into crypto uh, in a similar fashion as they do with commodities, uh, with gold, uh, historically over the past 50, 60 years. Um, I felt the once you get that large of an allocation, a global allocation um, that's institutional, starting to enter the crypto market it kind of becomes too big to fail at that point in time and i thought it's it, it, it's kind of like a confidence game that that uh you know snowballs uh that i thought would be the most exciting uh crypto thesis uh if you were to look forward you know a decade or so and i think the biggest beneficiary of that thesis would have been bitcoin and ethereum uh maybe solana but mainly bitcoin and perhaps Ethereum, because that 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 those 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 currencies were going to receive the bulk of that institutional attention. Um, in the event that we started to see an unwinding of, of that momentum that was approaching too big to fail, I have no interest in it. So as soon as I saw it starting to flatten out and go the opposite direction, I was done. I was out. I, I sold all my crypto, and I really don't have any speculative interest in it beyond that. I think there will be huge opportunities to play crypto the next few years as, you know, they're just the, the world of, of crypto investors is so large now. There's no doubt in my mind that they're going to pick bottoms and we're going to see huge bullish runs in crypto. All right. I, I, I just personally, I don't have any interest in trying to time those. Uh, it doesn't work that well into my own social arb type of thinking, my methodology. So I'm out. And I'm just I'm out. Crypto's dead to me for now. And if you know, I I be in an, I'd be more interested in, in investing in crypto once it climbs a hundred, two hundred percent from these levels, right? I'm happy to get back in the game at a hundred or two hundred percent higher than these levels if that thesis starts to play out. Whether it's next year or five years or ten years from now, that's when I'll get back into crypto. I'll lose out on the first hundred or hundred and fifty or two hundred percent of that run. And I'm willing to forgo that upside um, to, to, to stick with my initial thesis on crypto, which is I'm only interested in it if it becomes too big to fail. And I think that my thesis is similar to that, although I think of too big to fail as those top two coins, Bitcoin and Ethereum. And for me, much like I'm when this market starts to uh, crash, I don't try to sell everything. It's more like uh, the, the whole time in the market is better than timing the market. And so I'm just holding on to it. 
I put, um, you know that my whole amount of money that I put into crypto was the money that I thought I could lose. I had no problem with that amount just going away into the ether, literally. And so I'm sticking with that. I've kept my allocation of Bitcoin and Ethereum. I've locked them away so that uh, a over leveraged online exchange can't do anything with them. And at some point, I see them uh, coming back. Well, D- Dave, don't you think that, I mean, listen, if, if I'm going to have money just sitting waiting, I'd rather have it sitting in an income producing asset that is more as close You're, as it but gets you to just a said, guarantee. You just said you would forego a 100% gain because you'd rather have it sitting in an I'm just staying in the market rather than trying to time the market. That's that's all I'm doing. But no, I'm just saying if I look at the market, I'd rather be in a market that holds income producing assets. This is Jordan's world, right? What he loves Uh, income producing assets, because that is as close as it gets to a guarantee of eventual growth. But that's not what you've done. You have not taken your Bitcoin money and put it into an income producing asset. You're you're still in just random stocks that are also going down. I see no, Bitcoin no, and Ethereum no, no, almost no, as like a those are companies that produce income. That's what I'm trying to tell you. In the short run, they'll be volatile. They'll go all, all over the place. But those are companies that produce income for you. I though you're, you're in dividend stocks now. That's what? what you're telling me. You've you've moved to dividend stocks from crypto. No, no, no. There's a difference between companies that that generate income and companies that disperse that income back to their shareholders. I mean, so, so one, one is part of the other, right? So they don't, the, the companies I own don't all di- you know, at the moment, uh, deliver dividends back to its shareholders, but for the most part, every company I own for the most part, not all of them, not all of them, most of them are profitable companies that are generating income. <laughs> and for me, that's the floor, right? That, that that's the floor that allows me to sleep at night can they go down in value? Absolutely. Is there probably a floor on how much they'll go down? Probably so. Is there a floor on what crypto can go down to? I I don't know. Maybe, maybe I, not, right? I, no, I think you, don't have to, you don't have to produce a dividend for it to return value to a shareholder. You know this. You know that there are share yeah. buybacks. You know, investing in R&D. There's a million different ways that a company can deploy their capital to benefit a shareholder. And so that's totally different. I think what you're looking no, at right now is my point is though that Chris didn't move money from are from... pulling back and need their investments as a source of funds because they are getting smoked by inflation, like smoked by inflation. And so you see credit card debt continuing to rise. Um, the average consumer is in a really tough place right now, and so their marginal dollar is not going to buy Bitcoin right now. It is putting food on the table. But. Bitcoin is up 11% in the last 24 hours. Ethereum is yeah, up look, 19%. I mean, got, like, we, we had a CPI dynamic. print this morning that everybody liked. It sold off like crazy with this FTX news and then a slightly better CPI print this morning. And so you have short covering, things like that. So, But I don't equate that with, this is not, you know, the, to see a move that big in one day in a market like this, I don't think is good news. I think it's people, you know, it's, it's basically being people being caught off sides on certain positioning. And so... I think you'll see it drop again. I, you know, I could be wrong, but um, yeah. And by the way, Abbas, uh, who says Chris flips more than anything. I listen. This is the one topic when it comes to crypto. Mm-hmm. I have never. Th- I have had one thesis, and I, when you go back and watch our shows, it's the only thesis I have. It's. It's. I. I like crypto, um, not based on my own belief in it, but based on it essentially being the replacement for gold over the long term. 
Um, it doesn't have to do anything meaningful. I don't think crypto actually has to, to do anything more than it does today, other than get to a point uh, where we have massive institutional adoption, the same way that you have massive institutional adoption of the old form of crypto, which is gold. That's it. That that's the only that's the only thing I ever had an interest in as an investor um, in crypto. That was my thesis. So when I saw that start to unwind, right, start to back up, I, I sold. It, it was, it's that simple. It's always what I said. And I will buy back into crypto one hundred percent. I will be back in. You know, if and when the market figures itself out and that's probably going to be after regulation happens and then everyone's kind of comfortable and they're like it's a new day in crypto we we see what the regulation looks like we can live with it right and then people slowly start to get back into it and it starts to make its next monster run right not a short covering run but like a monster run up it will ha i think it will probably happen i just don't know if it's the next year or in 10 years and so that's why this i think is so interesting because you have basically you have flip-flopped and you like the commenter said we will have a video called crypto is back the day that you decide that you're getting back into crypto i'm sure and i will hopefully have beaten you into it because I've stayed in it the whole time. Okay, yes, and, and true. It, was, it, it was always a like a loss leader for me. I put in a certain percentage of my net worth into the the brand name big crypto projects that I think have the best chance. And I, if they all went to zero, I would have been fine with it. They've basically dropped seventy percent from that high. I'm fine with it, and I think though. I think of it more like a lever, and you like the idea of a leveraged ETF. You've you've invested in leveraged ETFs. We've seen that unlike gold, these cryptos are trading along with the market. They're not they're not trading like gold, the opposite of the market. They're trading with the market, and I see it as a basically a even bigger leveraged play on just Dave. Dave, it, what I'm saying is. I, I think or I'm more comfortable having my money in a combination of income producing assets and and private companies that are working their way to become income producing assets. I, I added that last part because one of our commenters says it's the equivalent of investing in early stage companies or start. No, it's not because you, you invest in 10 early stage companies. And, and, and unless you're really messing up, you could be damn sure that two or three of those companies are going to hit uh, and going to deliver well, and I've a return. Done that and too. Become I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that my crypto investment is a replacement. I'm just saying it has a place in my in my asset allocations. That's, fair. That's it. Yeah. That, that that's fair. It, it, it just it doesn't in mind because I only believe in one thesis when it comes to crypto. And the thesis is not at this point in time is is far further, way further away. It's not imminent. Um, before I thought it was potentially imminent or or potentially going to happen in a matter of months or years. I just don't have that type of visibility into the crypto markets after this. And by the way, someone saying you can't regulate Bitcoin, you absolutely can regulate exchanges and the way that it is um, moved around, purchased and sold, at least here in the U.S., that is coming yeah, the way, more so the than way ever. Your well, look, I mean, so we saw this earlier this year from with uh, Robinhood, right? And so the reason that they ran into trouble is because they were having to put up so much funds um, because there was because there are regulations um, for exchanges that they had to have a certain amount of capital on hand because of what was going on um, with GameStop. And so 
kind of the same deal, right? So there's no regulation going on with, with these crypto exchanges. And that's where FTX potentially got bitten, right? Because they didn't have enough uh, reserves on hand to handle the amount of withdrawals that were happening. So, yeah, I mean, I think there does need to be regulation on some of these exchanges. Now, the problem and is, let, let, you know. And I haven't, I haven't even read through SBF's tweet storm uh, three hours ago. He had like a 22-part uh, thread. I, uh, shareholders. I, did. I mean, this, this I, is... He basically is. He's basically. By the way, a lot of the things he's saying are, are not are not clear. Um, he's essentially saying that he mislabeled bank accounts. Okay, that's that's kind of insane. All right, so like this is a company with tens of billions of dollars, right? They're mislabeling bank accounts and and misjudging um, the the degree of leverage associated with those accounts and what they would be required to can reserves uh, to be in compliance with that leverage. It's exceptionally bad, whether it was an actual honest error, uh, which it theoretically could have been, uh, or whether it was him commingling client accounts in order to get more leverage, right? Especially yeah. to, to open up leverage for his fund, uh, to cover up mistakes or to cover up issues he's having with his own currency. I mean, I mean, we'll never know, right? Like, we'll, we'll never really know. We might, we might know, but we'll probably we might never know. know. The SEC gets involved, which I think aren't, aren't there uh, rumors that he's being investigated? Yeah, I mean, you know how they work, Jordan. They they investigate because they they just they want to win and they want to fine and and then they're out. Like that's what they do every single right. time. So, will we ever really know? I I really doubt it. I think that the bottom line is when it comes to crypto, it has some amazing people, but at a high level, at the highest levels, it has some of the shadiest yeah. shadiest grifters I have ever come <laughs> across in in nearly, you know, 25 plus years. Yeah. And uh, SBF investing. seemed like the real thing. He seemed like the, you know, he was literally bailing out BlockFi, giving them, giving them loans. And like, he seemed to be trying to save crypto or just the whole industry. Um, he, he, and for he, him to have was... a accidental accounting mistake or an intentional or to like when CZ called him i love how everyone just has initials in this industry but when cz called out s well wait, explain who cz is dave that's from from binance right so he's CZ... the yes he's the head of binance and it all happened with tweets um that and i can pull this up as a part of uh the binance exit strategy from ftx which binance was an investor in ftx and so they had some of this ftt token and they disclosed on twitter November 6th, that they were, due to recent releva uh, revelations that have come to light, they've decided to liquidate all of their FTT. And they go on to say that they're just disclosing this and that they're, uh, you know, CZ they, they typically hold for a long a time. These were not locked up tokens. But Dave, this is what started people looking into, well, what is actually holding uh, FTX together? Is it these FTT tokens? Is there enough collateral? Is... Are they loaning out on top of loans? And and Dave, that there was a Dave, there was a leak. There was a leaked document. SBF, uh, you know, claims that it was it, it was CZ Binance that leaked that document, whether he did or not. And there's a spat between the two, and that's what led to this entire blow up, which is which is kind of insane, but probably for the best, right, long term. Uh, the the funny thing is Binance. It's like where do you look now? Because Binance is is far far 
from like you know a lock when it comes to a stable super transparent company well and and we have to remember that here in the u.s there is binance.us which is not the same thing as binance and there's ftx us which is not the same thing as ftx which by the way last night i was doing my audit of anywhere where i had wallet i still had 74 dollars in usdc in my ftx us account and i moved that out of my ftx us account because you know it's 74 dollars um, so you're listen, part of the I, run. You're part of the run, Dave. I, I am. But the thing is, I, I did that all four months ago, and this is just some leftovers. And I, I, I went through, and I still have some money in various places that I'm, I'm cleaning up once again. And that's why I think it's an important message for people not to keep... I mean, there used to be this amazing idea of high-yield uh, locking up your crypto, and it actually worked. I made $32,000 by um, using the EARN program on Crypto.com before they lowered all the limits. $32,000 of real U.S. dollars, still in USDC, any of that, Dave? which I got out of there. But no, I'm okay. no longer using their own EARN program because they capped how much I could earn. I used to be able to put, you know, a million dollars in there. Now I can only put $3,000 at their highest earn rate and their earn rates dropped dramatically. That's a whole nother topic. Um, I'm not currently using the earn program for it from any of these programs, except I do think I still had some in um, Gemini last night when I was doing my research. Well, you know what earn program I'm in, Dave? Uh, uh, let me guess. Treasuries. United States Treasuries. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the crazy thing is those I-bonds, which also have a very low limit to how much you can invest, but the uh, yield on those is insane, higher than any of the crypto, which, which I had this crazy thought. What if, and it may not be the U.S., but what if a central bank decided, well, why don't we just take over FTX? Then we can use our fiat currency to prop up this currency everyone will get their their ftx money back but then like all the central banks have been talking about like we, we need to have a token they would just have one ready to go it's like a, a solution in a box yeah you're listening to the dumb money live podcast uh, by the way to be clear i i sent david text yesterday and i said can we do the is crypto dead episode and and then this morning i wake up to see the crypto is dead episode. So, so I, but you know, I, I you never know you can't have a title that is a yes, no question. That is rule number one. Nobody will watch a yes, no question because they know okay. their video is one second long where the answer is yes or no. Fine, fine. But I'm, all I'm getting <laughs> at here is I actually don't believe crypto is permanently dead. But uh, it's dead I, for I, you at the moment. It, it's it's dead for me at the moment because I only have one crypto thesis and it no longer applies at this moment in time. There will be a point in time when I'm confident I will be back in crypto. Um, it's not today. I'm looking in other areas to deploy capital, you know, as, as mentioned, that I think will be better for me or, or if not better for me, I think I have more visibility over the next call it 24 months investing in other areas, right? As opposed to crypto. Crypto right now, I think is super speculative. Uh, by the way, when will crypto bottom? I think is a great question. And, and, and there's this other thesis about the crypto bottom I want to discuss, and it has to do with miners. So crypto miners, as you know, guys, I, I actually had a lot of money in a crypto miner when it was private. It went public. Um, you know, Speaking about just the shadiness of executives in this industry, before I made that investment, 
I had done much of research on the founder and was not really happy with what I saw. And I specifically asked, I think it was the general counsel at the time uh, or the person arranging the investment. I was like, how are you going to go public with this founder? And I'm like, well, we're not. Before we go public, he'll be removed and not be part of the public facing company. And that that that's just a microcosm for this entire. And this is a monstrously big company at the time. Right. Uh, that's just a microcosm of the entire crypto industry at the highest levels. So um, what I'm what I'm saying is the crypto miners are a lot of them are at, are at the point where they're potentially not profitable and not able to mine at these. Some of them can mine. Some of them are starting to turn off uh they're mining so we're at this level to where if bitcoin drops much further uh or even at these levels the miners profitability is at a point where they're not able some of them are not able to pay off their debt right because a lot of these miners have a lot of debt they do also have a lot of them reserves in crypto and bitcoin so the thesis here and this has happened in the past that when Bitcoin actually really crashes beyond a certain level, the miners who have massive Bitcoin reserves are forced to liquidate their Bitcoin reserves, okay, into the market. And that is potentially and has been, I think, related in the past to capitulation type events in Bitcoin and crypto. So it's just something for everyone to watch right now. If we start to see stories of miners liquidating Bitcoin and that kind of, you know, creates an avalanche capitulation event that could, I'm not saying it is, that could potentially mark the bottom for people that do want to trade um, and actively trade Bitcoin and crypto through this time. I have no interest in doing it, but I think that's an interesting thesis that I would pay attention to. That's all I'm saying. And I'm not actively trading it. I'm a buy and hold crypto investor. That's it. Well, we've had I we've mean, had a lot of good comments, and I realized that my uh, on screen comment display had uh, stopped working. So I, I'm going to try to turn on comments for the replay so that everyone can see them. So um, I do want to. Um, at what this is a, Alex is saying uh, asking at what point do you guys roll low conviction losses? into high conviction companies that are down in equal amount? Um, I think it's a good question that gets back to our general methodology uh, during this time period. And we discussed this on our last few shows. This is the most difficult time I have ever experienced uh, to, to, to trade as a social arb trader. You know, as someone that is trading, you know, information related to that's granular related to a company because even when you're potentially right you're still wrong on the trade and we saw that happen with on running uh last quarter uh we saw it happen with sketchers uh which was one of my i want to say sketchers was a medium conviction trade for me uh we saw it happen to a much smaller extent i still was profitable on my deck trade because i got in at 320 and i exited most of the trade as i I came out and said on our discord channel uh most of that trade was exited before earnings uh but i did have a bunch of deck uh after earnings as well and deck did drop immediately after earnings now it's still trading at like what 340 350 so at least a good 10% right 349.57. Yeah, 350. So not bad. Uh, So it it really, as an earnings trade, 
It kind of worked if you got in early like I did. Kind of didn't work if you got in late. Um, our methodology did work great with Crocs again this quarter. Crocs actually nailed it. The, the, I mean, just unreal what Crocs is doing. Hey, dudes. I mean, man, people thought we were insane talking about hey, dudes, as we've been talking about them the last year, right? But like, hey, dudes, crush. But here's the problem, guys. I felt that the deck earnings call as it related to Uggs, um, as it related uh, to Hoka, they were way too conservative. They got nervous on their guidance because of the macroeconomic environment. And this environment allows you as a management team to be ultra conservative and no one's going to get pissed off. I mean, your stock's going to hit a little on earnings, but you're better off to be ultra conservative with your guidance, right? And the market's going to punish the stock temporarily. It screws people like us. They're like, we have insight into what's happening. Everything's going great. But if they're just slightly conservative on their guidance, you get killed. Also, we found out with Skechers, there are still issues with the supply chain, right? There are still issues. We noted that as one of the risk factors with our Skechers trade. And you only need to have one thing go wrong in an earnings call right now for the stock to get beat. Right. And and that's what happened with Skechers um, to a much. And it, what, it's what really prevented Deck uh, from rallying after earnings, you know, came back and then, then it recovered. Um, Crocs nailed it all, just nailed it across the board. And they weren't afraid. Right. They weren't afraid to kind of have aggressive guidance. And, and so Crocs was rewarded. But it's a really tough environment to do what we do. That's why we're not having shows every three days. That's why we're not we're not coming on every two to three days saying, hey, we got another high conviction call. There's a reason for this, guys. I'm actually not trading right now. Like, I'm scared as hell of this market. I'm scared to put a lot of money behind a trade, an earnings trade, even if I have all the information, because I, I don't trust the management team to really get on there and, and do what's right and, and just be clear with their guidance based on what they know. I think everyone's afraid right now. They want to cover their butts, right? And that's what everyone's doing. They're covering well, and their I, butts. And I did see a comment on the uh, the the Crocs uh, trade, something along the lines of, why? how are you doing these shows like the day of an earnings or an hour before the earnings? Well, that's because that's when we're making the decision. We can't do a show three days in advance because it's the information changing up until the last second and not wanting to sit in a trade, hoping that the macro condition stays constant while we're trying to play this one piece of information, right? So that's why something like Crocs, where we did see, you know, a nice move after, uh, we, we couldn't go on and talk about it three weeks in advance because everything can change in three weeks. And I don't even think we actually did the Crocs episode this earning. I think it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was like, the Decker. I think that was, we're, yeah, we're, we're, we're traveling. <clears throat> so, but, but everyone knew, we knew our position in Crocs. I mean, we would open about our Crocs position all year. It's my number one, it was my number one position this year. Um, that's been speculative and it's just, it's crushed it. And in fact, someone asked me, they were like, Hey, Chris, are you in the negative this year? Uh, you know, we've always been transparent. It's easy to be transparent when things are going great. But, uh, you know, I'll be equally transparent when things are not going so great. Uh, this year, I was at, I actually thought, guys, I thought my account was, was my account's down, right? It's down. But 
a lot of the reason why it's down is because I pulled out so much money to make all these crazy, crazy private investments. Um, and it's down a lot because of my one legacy position, which is monstrously big in Amazon, which is down 55%, 60%. So the answer to that question is surprisingly, um, I'm having to pay a bunch. I'm going to have to pay a bunch of taxes next year because I have gains in my brokerage account for 2022. I have, yeah. I think I have long-term and short-term gains, I think this year. Uh, what's, but that said, uh, I have not exited Amazon and my Amazon position is down so much that I think if you look at my trading account as a whole, now I haven't calculated this exactly, but I, I think I'm down slightly because of the huge multi-million dollar loss that I, I that I you know have uh, in Amazon, even though I didn't sell Amazon yet, right? Like, so yeah. my account is down a little bit this year. If not for Amazon, I think my account is up double digits here. If not for Amazon, and mostly because of Crocs, right? Um, some of the other trades we've talked about earlier this year. Um, you know, we've had some wins, we've had some losses, but overall, I've been heavily hedged. I was hedged like forty to eighty percent all year, right? And that hedge position is up massively. So between the hedge and a couple of our high conviction trades, I've actually had a good year, except Amazon. Amazon destroyed me. And, you know, quite honestly, pulling cash out on, to make, you know, moves in the private markets, we won't know how well that works out probably for a couple of years, right? Because that's just how it is. We'll have to do a show, like a recap of our best and worst of 2022 and see if we actually ended up positive for the year because we did that show a couple years ago and it was uh it was just kind of fascinating to see how much a couple of trades influenced the entire year um i have a, a couple good comments here i want to get to one uh oh, first of all chris do you have your head still mpz uh, yes, I do. As I said, I, I have no intentions of taking off that. Edge. It hurts on days like today, but um, it allows me to sleep at night. And I, I just I don't have any confidence in this market. When we did our episode, I don't know, a month ago, and we said hell is coming. We don't we don't know that for a fact. But I do believe there's massive tail risk in this market that is underappreciated. It doesn't mean the market's going to go down between now and March. I just believe there's massive tail risk that I don't want any part of. So I am hedged probably 60% right now on my long portfolio. Um, to answer your question, another question here, Funko, someone saying, went, oh, wh how did I, I miss this? Because I'm not in Funko, guys. But Funko went down, it looks like, when was this? November 4th? Wow. Yeah, dude, they had earnings got... on November 2nd, it looks like. It got cut in half. So, guys, this is the thing. I, I, I'm not in Funko. I haven't been trading Funko. I'm not long Funko. And I didn't even see this earnings report. Ooh. As earnings shrink and holiday forecast calls for no growth. E, that that's really rough. Um, I, do, I feel like their backpack business is probably still doing pretty decent. But... Funko is not a company I want to mess with because it was really it's really difficult to get a gauge on their supply chain issues, right? Um, inflation. I mean, those Funko Pops, they're not super expensive and the degree that inflation is killing them. I, I have I have no idea. I stayed away from that. Thank goodness I'm not in that. Oh, what a rough what a rough year, man. Stocks just cut in half. It's been in a second. Impossible. In a second. Yeah. Um how are you hedged 
we've talked about this many times. We don't overthink it. I'm I'm hedged in just SPY and triple key. That's it. I'm just hedging. I'm just hedging the market. Yeah. It's not because a perfect those ETFs hedge. closely mirror the average of your account. Everything yeah. else you it, have. Yeah. It, it, it's it's not a perfect hedge. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm asking, hedged in XLK, XLY, and triple key. I have no spy hedge. We can't hear you, dude. You can't hear me? I hear you. It's just Chris. You can't hear you, dude. <laughs> I hear so you. Your mic die? No. They said he can hear me. I hear you. It's it's you, Chris. Can you hear me, Chris? Chris can't hear anything. Chris is now in a world of his own. <laughs> uh, so NPZ yep. asked, did you short or buy puts? I'm short. Um, and I'll sprinkle in some puts every once in a while. But um, for the most part, I'm just short. Um, somewhere seven figures-ish of uh, of short. So I'm not 100% hedged, but yeah, there's a portion hedged and then a portion cash and then a portion T-bills. So um, I've not done as bad as the S&P or the NASDAQ this year. Which is good. I, I've done about as bad as the S&P and the NASDAQ because yeah. I was not as heavily hedged and have not been as consistently hedged as you guys. So people are asking about one of our big trades of the year on running, which is down. It's up. It's having a good day today, along with everything else. Um, but they're asking about on running because earnings is next week. Um, I'm not really prepared to kind of make a strong call on on running. We got killed last earnings on our call, uh, which which was stunning to me. Absolutely stunning. So I'm going to be really careful, really, really careful this quarter when it comes to on running and I'll probably be doing a lot of work uh, going into this weekend before I make a final determination of whether I trade that earnings call or not. I'll tell you one thing. It's not a stock. I'm not willing to be in that thing until right before earnings. If I, if I decide, right. So if I decide to trade it, I'm just not comfortable with this stuff right now at this market guys. I mean, so I, that might be a good time to mention our um, Discord channel, dumbmoney.tv slash Discord, if you want to be a part of it. It is absolutely free. None of us will ever ask you money for anything. And if you do, it's an imposter. Um, but yeah, you, you'll you, you'll jump in there and talk about these last minute earnings trades that you make. So that's, uh, that's a good always. place to find it because we can't always make a video. No, I'll always do that. Yeah, because Dave's always traveling. Um, are you traveling next week, Dave? Um. What is next week? Yeah, yeah. Isn't it Thanksgiving? No. No. Oh, that's the week after. Yeah, no, I should be here. Okay. Um, I'm going to pull... I haven't pulled on running in a couple of weeks. I'm just going to pull their um, their web traffic and just see what's going on with them the last couple of weeks. It's just... it's so Guys, it's so hard to make a call on these companies because, like, even if unrunning is crushing it, what if they have some inflationary supply chain issues, right? Like that, that alone can kill them. Like I said, or, or if they're just nervous going into the all important holiday quarter that, that can crush them as well. The, the web or they're just selling expensive things and people don't have any money. Right. And so, you know, no, totally. Um, so we're kind of seeing, you know, we always see a drop off with their web traffic between September and October. So last year it went from like 4.1 million to 3.5 million. This year it's 6.5 million down to 6.2 million. So the drop 
the drop is actually way better. It's, it's, it's a less of a severe drop off in web traffic going into October. So that can definitely be seen as a positive. Obvious, and, and September was an absolute record month of web traffic. I mean, honestly, guys, if you look at this quarter for on running, just from a web traffic standpoint, it's stunning, uh, stunning, an absolutely stunning quarter for them. Um, I would have to imagine I'm, I'll be leaning long into earnings, how much money I'm willing to put behind that trade and whether I'm interested in trading on leverage or not. That's a whole different story. I'm so hard getting conviction right now in this market. I, I want to say on running. Uh, I think just anything, anything that's, you know, you know, consumer facing right now is super tough. Um, it, it is super tough. And if I was in on running, I like, I would have preferred to buy it yesterday as opposed to today. Right. I mean, my God, this thing is up. Literally it's up, uh, would it like 10, how much? A ten percent today? Uh, well, Almost. yeah, it, it's it's up about ten percent since yesterday. But if you look at like a a five day, it's it's traded in the same range. Yeah, yeah, but but, but we could. I mean, Dave, what is it? Is, is it today, Wednesday, or Thursday? Today's Thursday. Thursday. So um, let's see what happens tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, it could be down. <laughs> it's it's down. Who knows? No, I, guys, I promise I will do some work in on running uh, this weekend and I'll, I'll share my thoughts with y'all. But I, I do want to be have everyone understand that we're not doing a lot of shows for a reason. We're inactive. We're inactive. And th this is a time that is all about cash flow. It's about how, how do you find cash in your life to put into the market at some point, whether it's now or you know, yeah. in two months or six months or over the next year. So we're focused on cash flow. I'm focused on cash flow. Um, I'm focused on areas that I'm businesses that I'm involved with that are not speculative, that I can help generate more cash for myself. So have money to put into the market. But I promise as soon as this market stabilizes, we're all, we're all in. Um, you can't have a social arb trade if the market's going up and down 4% a day. Three four percent a day, can't do it. Um, what do you guys feel? How do you guys feel about not political, but just as it pertains to the market, uh, the election, and how the election kind of ends up here with the runoff? It looks like am I Georgia's I, I having a runoff? It, well, 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 Georgia. Okay, so correct me if I'm wrong. I haven't checked this since late last night, but don't the Democrat aren't the Democrats in a position to? be in control of the house if the republicans lose the georgia runoff is that correct is that no accurate? the georgia runoff is a senate runoff that's what i said senate, so, i'm senate excuse me i'm i apologize senate yeah, yeah that's what i mean so i i think they would have if if i think if the republicans lose that runoff yeah. i think it gives the democrats slight control correct. in the senate i think i think if they win it splits the senate i believe i believe correct um correct. If, if well, i'm I mean, wrong so about that None, so there are three races that are not done yet, right? And so there's one in the Democrats' favor so far. There's one in the Republicans' favor so far. And then there's the runoff, which is pretty close to even, and you don't really know which way the libertarian voters will vote in a runoff. Um, but that's that's where it sits right now. And so, so, the you, so you're saying uh, of the three seats left, one is in the Republicans' favor? I wasn't aware. I thought both were in Democrats' Yeah, I thought favor. there was one. Dave, am I wrong here? I thought there was one in the Republicans' favor. Or is that one decided already? Um... What I'm seeing is it looks like there are two uh, competitive races still counting, Nevada okay. and Arizona. Uh, yeah. 
And so that would but, be uh, Nevada's Republican plus 1.8, Arizona's Democrat plus 5. Okay. Yep. And they need five. I thought, I could be wrong, but I thought um, Nevada, even though the Republicans are ahead, I thought with the precincts left, they predicted it to go, this is late last night, predicted to go Democrat, based on the fact that a lot of those votes were mail-in votes. Um, I think they had like 160,000 mail-in votes or 120,000 to tabulate. And those votes were likely to be like 60% uh, Democrat. So I believe once those votes are tallied, this is going to be one of those situations where it flips. Um, That's just just what I was reading from analysis late last night. So my understanding is that both of those states would go Democrat and then the Republicans would need to win the runoff in Georgia just to have a split Senate. So what I'm getting at here is, you know, is there a potential negative for the market? Um, If Democrats have the Senate still, probably not, because I think the Republicans are still going to get narrowly get the house at this point i think that's what it looks like right they'll still get the house by a couple seats yeah i I mean i don't think think we're gonna get what the market wants most which is gridlock which means less stuff gets done which is which is always what the market prefers right yeah yeah so so probably no So what happens if we don't get the gridlock that the market is probably already pricing in it's probably gridlock anyways, with the House being Republican, right? It's probably gridlock anyway, just because all of the it, people running the country just can't get anything done. Well, and you're so tight, right? Even if it's 51, 49, 50, 50, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, what's going to get done? Even what's, when Democrats were in control, it was nearly impossible for their pro- programs to go through. So I, I think, think that... We're, we're, the we're problem get, is you're also dealing with two parties that are kind of east split right now. On the liberal side, it's the progressives and the centralist yeah. type Democrats. And then the same thing on the Republicans, Republican side, where you've got, you know, kind of a, you know, kind of a split in the narrative among some of the representatives. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so basically I think it's kind of a non-issue because whether yeah. or not it's actual gridlock or it's just normal gridlock, I, I the market will like that. Yeah. Okay. So what we I'm d- saying is we just need to get not- better. We just need to get our, our inflation in line so that the fed will finally, slow down the increases and stop the increases and eventually reverse course. And then the market's going to really enjoy that. And then Dumb Money Live starts making more shows again. (laughs) There's probably not a lot of impact that we'll see going forward due to political issues, right? That that's what we're getting at, right? To politics. So so we can like we can at least like not think about that and not worry about it and like get that off of our plate. Um, I think the thesis and the concern here is inflation. I know we had some positive numbers as it relates to kind of inflation coming down a bit today, right? So so that, that was good news. But that's today. That's like literally one one data point. Um, yeah. The concern but good, is... The thing to note about this, though, is that there were, you know, like if you look at, if you like dig down into the numbers, I think food is still inflating, right? And so that's, that's kind of a big bummer on the inflation side. Um, and so food is inflating. Just, it, it seems like inflation really depends on what portion you're looking at and what's the most important yeah i mean seven something is better than eight something on uh, on the headline level but it's nowhere near the two or three percent that the fed wants to see but but do we see a deep recession this next year and if so it's a whole nother thing right it's a whole it's a, a whole nother thing that 
I think the market has to absorb on the front end of, right? So like- Yeah, you know, I think that's the biggest thing right now. I think, you know, people have gotten their head around that inflation's here, the Fed's fighting it, they're gonna bring it down eventually. Um, but then, you know, we haven't really seen what happens on the other side of that because that doesn't, you know, the Fed's raising interest rates and tightening the money supply, that generally is not a good sign for corporate earnings. And those haven't come down a ton that's yet. my concern that's like my number one i think it's the biggest tail risk that no one is really th- i don't say no one's thinking about but no one's really yeah. understanding how big of a deal that is if we start to see the consumer weaken the consumer generally has been strong through all of this which you can say maybe is a little bit of a negative as it relates to inflation right but yeah, i mean they're strong it, right but they're also going into debt and you see that yes in credit card numbers that have so, been- you're listening to the Dumb Money Live podcast. So what do we think? But but guys, what generally the consumer has been strong. They're spending. They continue to spend. What happens if that starts to reverse? Yeah. Are we prepared? Is the market prepared for that? Is the market mentally prepared for that? I don't think the market is. Like, I just, I, I don't feel it. I feel like no one's concerned about that. And I, I, I almost, I'm not going to say it's a guarantee that it happens, but it feels like it's a massive risk the next six to nine months. That the consumer- I think it's one of those things with, where, you know, it just starts happening, right? Is your credit card debt starts to go up and it goes up and it goes up. And then you, you know, maybe, I don't know when people look at their budget, is it annually or what they do? But, you know, maybe when they're looking at it at the new year and they're like, we're in a bad place. We've got to chill out on some of our expenditures. Yeah. It comes down to how we kind of see what's, it's like we're, we're approaching a traffic accident and we are slowing down and we don't know how bad it's going to be. And we don't know how fast we're going to speed up on the other side of it. It's not like the economy is just going to die for forever, but how long. And so the market is, I think, trying to anticipate all of these things that you're saying the market hasn't anticipated at all. But I think that, it, it, is it under anticipating? Is it over anticipating? It, it's it, it's just one of those things that nobody knows. Like there's you can't predict it. So we have we have tens of thousands of layoffs that are happening, right? And yes, yeah, so Alex Jones just said you know people still have jobs, but I was looking at a thread where it just showed tech company after tech company after tech company was ten plus percent layoffs. Yeah, I mean, yeah we nice. saw it with uh, with Meta, uh, which made their stock go up. Um, we saw it with. Yeah. Uh, Amazon freezing and yeah. Okay. So, so that, that, okay. So let's, let's talk about what the market doesn't know and doesn't talk about because everybody knows that, but what no one's talking about, okay. Facebook lays off 11,000 people. Okay. You're like, how bad is that? I don't know. Maybe not that bad, but it's, it's, Facebook, it's not even, wait, um, on, they're not even on. back to the numbers where they were pre-pandemic they they went through a major hiring spree and now they've backed off that was part of the mark boom but but the bigger issue here the number one issue that no one is talking about is that facebook stock and amazon stock is down 50 percent. and you know what that means most of those employees viewed their stock holding as their net worth. That's what gave them the confidence to go out and buy Gucci bags. It's not just part of their business. net worth, Chris. That's part of their comp, right? And so they're getting comp it's, in it's, but options, it, it, and those options are now worthless, right? And so they, they can't okay. even exercise them to 
Both. Okay, so Jordan, you're right. On one hand, it's part of their comp, but but just knowing the value of those stock. I, yeah. Listen, I for most of my career, Dave, I know you were like this as well. Absolutely the same. I, we were both at companies. Me and Dave had a lot of stock in the companies we worked at because we got Dave had a lot of stock in Yahoo. I had a lot of stock in a company called E-Rewards that I worked at. In the back of my head, I was a, a kid in my 20s, but I was like, my stock is worth $1.4 million or $2 million or $2.5 million. And I was just a kid making you know, $150,000 a year or whatever it was. I mean, we were making good money, but that knowing that we had money that was worth that, we had that in stock is what gave us the, confidence, you the confidence to, to go get a bigger mortgage than you might yeah. have ordinarily yes. and buy a more expensive car and go out to dinner more often. It gave you that kind of, you, you had this safety net of my, my stock from the company is worth this much. I also think people think of their brokerage accounts now as their savings account. And as you're, as you put all of, not just your 401ks and your retirement account, but your actual like liquid net worth is all in a brokerage account. And as you see that getting crushed because the markets are getting crushed, you start to feel poor. You start to feel, but we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of thousands of employees that many of them are in the top two, 3% of wealth, 5% of wealth, big top earners in this country. Because these are all, earn, these are people that work at Shopify, work at Amazon, work at Facebook, work at all of these big, these are the people that have been driving a lot of the big boom, right? The last few years. Now, on top of all that, now you have 7% mortgage rates that some people are saying is going to climb to 8, 9. Some people are saying 10%. I don't know. But doesn't really matter. When you add all of these things up, guys, you have to see a massive tail risk in the consumer, right? That I think at any month now, it could be three, four, five months down the road. When we start to see that unravel, I have no idea how the market's going to react to that. That's like, I feel like that's the last big thing, the last really big thing that I want to see happen. If I see that but happen- Is that the thing that then makes the market realize that, okay, people have stopped spending. That means inflation has to go away because the Fed's going to have to drop rates and he's going to, uh, we're then going to be back to the moon again. Like well, how quickly well, yes, does it happen? Not instantaneously. But how quickly does it happen? Not instantaneously. What, Jordan? I said real estate, in, at least in 08, and every, we're not in 08, it's a different set of circumstances, but real estate in 08 bottomed, I think, like 10 months after the stock market bottomed. And so if you're looking for like that type of capitulation, that's a slower churn. Um, because look, you've got a lot of factors going in to the real estate market, right? It's not just the rates of mortgages, the purchase side. You've got um, people that bought properties as investments for short-term rentals, from what I've read, um, there's a couple of Twitter accounts that document all of this. The short-term rental market is in shambles right now. So here's the thing. Um, people do have, people are saying, Alex says, people have jobs. Yeah, they, they have jobs, but the job that they have, the, you know, their options are now maybe worthless, right? And before they were probably worth hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars, right? In a lot of cases, lots and lots, I'm talking lots of cases. That's actually very common uh, in this day and age with tech workers. So that is just a huge thing to overcome. So yes, people generally have jobs, but by the way, no one's getting bonuses for the most part. No one's get. I mean, what kind of raises do you think you're going to get going to next year? Like 
every company you just feel happy to still have your freaking job if you yeah. got one, right? If you're at a company that just went through layoffs, you have a good chance that you're not going to see any kind of raise or bonus, even though the cost of living has gone up. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's a concern for me, and that's why I'm still hedge. Uh, I, I'll confess, I'm not great when it comes to timing macro events, and so I'm just like anyone else here taking my best guess at what might happen but it's a huge concern and i think the biggest concern for me is the fact that this is not a normal recession this is not a normal fluctuation in interest rates uh in fed policy we are coming out of the anomaly of all anomalies the past three four years right and so i have no idea what the unwinding of that anomaly is going to look like it's simple as that i just don't know it could be catastrophic, right? It could be catastrophic. We could see another 20, 30% down the market. It's very possible. And I don't think people feel that that's real. I don't think anyone in this market feels like another 20 to 30% is possible. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's definitely a possibility. So I have to be ahead. Well, that's the thing. Nobody ever expects it. And that's, at some point, the market will bottom. I'm, for the most part, staying long because i can afford to but i don't i i have no idea how low it's going to go um i listen dave i i, I agree um and i'll also just disclose the fact that hey you know all of us we most of our most of our money's in private at least for me most of my money's tied up in private investments that i cannot pull right so my only the only area of my you know, liquid. The only area of my net worth that's liquid that I can play around with is what's in the public markets, and that's why I'm being really conservative with that piece right now. If all of my money was in the public market, if I didn't have any private investments, I would probably be a lot more aggressive. I'd be like, you know what, I'm willing to risk the twenty or thirty percent move down because you, you you can't not you just can't not be invested. That's my philosophy. You always have to be mostly invested, right? I'm I'm always going to be mostly invested in the world. It just happens to be that I'm mostly invested through private companies right now. So Exactly. I just keep thinking back to, you know, you've lost a lot on paper in Amazon. Remember when we were talking about how Amazon hadn't done anything for 12 months and we're like, maybe we should just get out of Amazon. Why do we not just do what we think? No, Dave, I couldn't get out of Amazon the tax hit. You know that. I think about you. Yeah, but you would have you would have more than paid for those taxes with the amount that you um, have you're, gone down you're since. You're totally right. I didn't like. I didn't want to. I didn't. I didn't want to pay fifteen percent. Uh, uh, excuse me, twenty three percent. Fifteen. What, what the hell am I thinking? <laughs> When's the last time the long term capital gains rate was fifteen percent? All right, I didn't. I didn't want to pay twenty three percent of. A few million dollars in gains on Amazon. It would have cost me, I don't know, less than a million dollars of taxes. Now, I've lost millions. You know. Yes. So, so I would have been. You're right. I would have been way better off to just say, "Suck it up." Just, just. Say, we knew. Maybe it. it's over for Amazon. Maybe it. I mean, but still, long term, I, I like Amazon. I, I just, I can't bring myself to sell it because I like it as a company. I did. I um, sold it a long time ago because I knew that we were in a bad position. I don't think all stocks are bad, like by the way. I'm, I'm still invested in a lot of things, but Amazon is not one of them. And so I'm short, you know, indirectly I'm short Amazon through XLY, right? I made a mistake. I, I mean, it was a massive mistake. But honestly, I, I also did not. 
I knew that Amazon could go down 50%, but I didn't think that that was really in the cards this quickly. And it was. So <laughs> I like that. It, this it, just nice in, Chris would rather burn money than pay taxes. <laughs> and you know what the red flag was for me with Amazon? And I mean it. I'm not joking. This is this is this is dead serious. When I saw Jeff Bezos wearing those like sparkly shirts that were like metallic and weird, I was like, Did this dude, he went full pitbull, by the way. What? He went full pitbull, by the way. I can't he tell the did. difference between those two. I'm it made me uncomfortable. I was like, this is not this didn't feel right. It just didn't feel right. And he knew what he was doing. He got out at the right time, right? I mean, he saw, he's been selling and selling, and he got out of that CEO position. He didn't want any part of this, right? So whatever, man. What's done is done. I, I just want everyone to know we're hurting like all of y'all. Like it's been, a, it's been a rough, rough year for all of us. And we're trying to put the pieces back together. Uh I kind of hope we get that capitulation. I I hope the recession just comes and it hits and consumer, you know, confidence gets torn apart and they start spending less and we the market gets ripped and we can just get through it, pull the band-aid and get on the other side, man. And by the way, nothing yeah. will be better for inflation than that, right? Nothing will be better than that. That's what if you want to solve the inflation problem, that that that's the best thing we could have going for us. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't know if we'll ever get it. I mean, I just feel like we're in a process now, and that process. I feel like I don't think it ends until the Fed ends, right? Yeah. And I, I just, and I, I feel like the a part of what Chris is hoping happens quickly might have already happened. So it's not, it, not for the consumer, not for the consumer, Dave. The consumer has been strong, 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 strong. I mean, the, relatively strong, right? We and saw they're, they're some companies say the opposite, though. FedEx said, we think the consumer is, we, we don't, we don't see anything in the future for consumers. It's all, it's all over. And their stock like went down a hundred percent that day. Well, <laughs> Asterisk. Yeah. I don't have no idea what I'm talking about. Don't, I don't check think my that's numbers. The right percent. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there have been, there have been warnings. There have been warnings and, and kind of, listen, you, you see, you see it with the guidance, but we haven't really seen it that much in the numbers. We haven't seen widespread. Uh, you but know, as soon as we start to see it, that. even this, even the hint of it, even a half point on the CPI, the market thinks, "Oh, it's over. We saw the bottom. Let's go up today." You know, someone just said the consumers in a debt bubble, which obviously they are now. Do you remember? I don't know, a year and a half ago when we were talking about how much of that stimulus money, the stimmy money was being used to pay off debt and in, and in like debt levels were at a record low. And we were like, yeah. we still have a while to go because they're going to fill all that available debt. Consumers are going to just, they're going to keep buying until it's all filled up. And we were right, but then it, we're at, we're topped out now. We're topped out now and they're pushing the limit. So John McCravey says, I think the safe trade right now is pairing short Dow, long NASDAQ. I'm the opposite. So, you know, you can do that. I, I think the safe thing right now is for all of us to admit that we really do not know what's going to happen in the yeah. next three to six months for, in this macro environment. Uh, we do not understand the extent of this recession that we're either already in or about to be in. We do not know if it's going to be a hard landing, a soft landing. We do not know how the market is going to react to that. 
um, we do not know when the market is going to bottom. So I think we need to remind, this is not, has never been a channel about macro analysis, although we talk about it, right? But it's never been a channel trying to, to really hard predict the macro environment and what's going to happen. And I want to be really transparent about how little we know um, when it comes to the macro environment. And, and it's not us, it's everybody. I don't care who is out there trying to tell you that they know what's going to happen. I've been listening to every expert in the world, whether they're institutional or pretend experts on YouTube. I mean, no one has been, virtually nobody has been consistently right about the macro environment the last few years. Virtually nobody. Um, so I think if you know that, I think the thing to do is to not be extreme in whatever you're doing. Not be levered, be cautious, right? Still trade if you feel that you have an edge, but I'm not likely to put half a million dollars of option into an earnings trade right now, like on running next week. If I like on running going to earnings, I'll probably, you know, put on a small trade. I'm, I'm not going to get levered out. Maybe I got a few options. Maybe I get a little bit of equity. I'm just going to chill out. I'm going to stay hedged. From, I'm sorry if it makes our show boring, but this is this is it. This is our real life, guys. Like this is this is our our actual accounts. This is what I'm doing. And Jordan, you're just doing the same thing you've always done, right? I mean, this is the first time that I've been like, you know, this short. So, but you're—it's amazing that you're that short because you're you're naturally hedged with cash. So, aren't Double you head, like forty percent? <laughs> aren't you forty percent cash anyway? By by the way, you are investing 50, in treasury. Fifty percent cash. Fifty percent. Well, not. Ca I mean, by cash, I include uh, like treasuries and. Uh, and uh, municipal bonds and things like that. So like the, the cash and, you know, bond, things like that, about 50%, uh, about 50% stocks and about, you know, like a, of the stocks, almost a third of it's. That's a lot, man. That's a big, that's a big hedge for you considering how much you earn cash. Yeah. One last thing before we end this episode, Dave, I don't want to bring it up because I know you're invested, but uh, how do you feel about Elon and Tesla, man? What are your thoughts? <laughs> I mean, you're getting slaughtered, right? And, and and by the way, what do you think about that last, this latest sale? That kind of came out of nowhere from him. Uh, I think that it was unexpected, but also kind of expected because he just had to close on the Twitter deal. And I think that the biggest problem with Tesla right now is that Elon is spending all of his time on Twitter and spending all of his money on Twitter. I think more so than that, I think having this much visibility into Elon's daily fluctuations of his mental temperament and how he is, it was unnerving in the past. But that I said, did past, you sit in on his um, call with advertisers yesterday? No, because I thought you, I thought that that was a little reassuring to me that the direction of Twitter and that Twitter nobody cares if Twitter succeeds anymore because it's no longer a public company. It's just. Elon, but I enjoy Twitter, and it seems like Twitter has two things on it right now. People talking about the $8 Twitter plan, and people talking about Tesla, and people talking about this whole FTX, FTX debacle. That's all that I'm seeing on Twitter. I think but I'm the I, one But person. it makes me worried. I, I love Tesla long-term. I just think we have a little bit of a road bump while Elon is distracted, and he had to sell, and I'm hoping... He didn't have. He's not continuously selling. He, well, he did. He sold this last week. That's what I I'm know. saying. That he, he he had to. He just disclosed 
the additional sales was at $4 billion worth of Tesla stock. And you saw, if you look back at the chart, the days that he sold, it was plop, plop, plop. It was going right down. Why he's not selling uh, off the public markets just through block trades somewhere else makes not too much sense to me. But uh, I like Tesla. It's a stock that I will continue to hold. I think that it is, they have so much going in, in the pipeline for, and, and the, the temporary the temporary slowdowns, like people are concerned that they, for the first time ever, have uh, new car inventory available on Tesla.com. I don't think that that's a terrible thing. I, I, I think there's, okay, first of all, a company like Tesla in the state that it's in right now of growth needs strong leadership. It needs strong leadership. I, I think already Elon is the type of manager who is great in an early stage company, amazing, and probably not optimal in a large company because large companies have communication breakdowns and morale breakdowns, and they become fat and fluffy. And then when you the way that he tries to operate with his, you know, you know cleaning up and just very dramatic emotional moves that doesn't go over that well in a down market when people don't feel great about themselves the stock is down right getting back to the whole thing your options are down uh he can get away with a lot of stuff he got away with when tesla was a massive cult company it was apolitical okay you didn't have half the country hating the ceo for political reasons and everybody was making a ton of money right? The employees are making a ton of money. You believe in Elon. He was a magician with fundraising and everything was going right. You, you don't, you don't have, you can get away with it. I feel like we're kind of in a perfect storm where we are in a down market. The stock is crushed. People at Tesla, their stock is not worth very much relative to what it was in the past. Well, and anybody that got like paid in options over the past year, you're now underwater, right? And well, so well, also Tesla has not had to deal with a massive, massive recession and what that means to, to consumer demand. They have not had to deal with those struggles. And I almost feel like there's a mass again, I'll keep saying this word, there's massive tail risk in Tesla that I think people underappreciate. You have Elon now focused on Twitter, right? He's becoming more controversial by the day, which is not a positive for for selling Teslas, but um, at least here in the U.S., we don't—I don't know the extent to which he sees some cracks in demand that he's not openly sharing because you know he won't until it actually is—he has to, right? But he'll be the first to see it. A very small pe number of people at Tesla will be the first to see it. I don't know, man. I, I think it's really—I think it's really risky because Tesla's the type of company where the same way it was boom when it bust. I think it's a house of cards because of the expectations at Tesla and, and Elon and the fact that he did what he did with Twitter. I mean, if I'm a Tesla employee, I'm not loving that at all. I want him, I want him as my leader. Tesla's a huge company. There's a lot going on at Tesla, right? Like you want a leader, you don't want your leader just randomly saying something about Tesla every few weeks. Like how much time is he putting into Tesla relative to Twitter? He's in, you know how many meetings he's probably getting pulled into? whether he likes it or not with Twitter and how many I feel right right now. I feel like Twitter is his full-time job. He needs and, to and, rebalance his life. And by the way, like we always think, Oh, Elon, he's just this magical person. It, nothing impacts him. I mean, you've seen him. He's had interviews where he's broken down and cried about being alone in his big house. And his biggest concern is being alone and all this stuff. And like, like he's not, 
I don't know. I think he's a volatile person on the edge, and the, the Twitter is putting tremendous pressure on him as a human, right? And if Twitter starts to go wrong, by the way, he's like, oh, Twitter's doing great. I mean, it's election season. Of, co- of course, Twitter's doing amazingly great right now. We're in a controversial, yeah. maybe the most controversial election of midterm election of all time. And he's Twitter- like, Twitter's growing. Twitter's like, going to be a problem because doesn't he have like a billion dollars a year of, of interest to pay on the debt for buying Twitter? So like it's not, yeah. it, it's not a profitable business to begin with. I, I think he'll pay that. I think, I think he's throwing out a lot of things to Twitter that just might, what I'm getting at Dave is he had, he Twitter's might basically fail. a startup company. Again, it went from being a startup to an old school company that kind of settled to everything's everything's back on the table and Twitter is a startup and it takes his startup mentality to like run that. And so that makes me a little nervous about what's going on at Tesla. I'm just hoping that the, the roster is a little deeper in the Tesla executive team and they're able to actually maybe even thrive, not having the distractions of Elon throwing out new and conflicting messaging within Tesla every day, because now he's focused on something else. That's a fair counter argument. All right, that that that's a very fair counter argument. Though with Elon out, they could actually, you know, not be as distracted with different things. New shiny I mean, he, spoon every week. He's the rock star. I don't know. I don't know enough about the. But rest does he of the drive the there. innovation? I mean, you basically. I mean, what? What? What else are they going to do if he's not the one driving new innovation? You know, they're just selling a handful of models of cars, and you know. <laughs> what? It's a car- and improving battery Jordan. technology and having solar and um, power walls and future technology yeah. that yeah, but I mean the, all the robots comes from like their real revenue comes from you know their cars self driving you know all those other ancillary things. Listen, guys, I don't even I don't even think it's a Tesla issue. I think it's a you know they're not immune to macro conditions and they haven't really if we end up getting into a deep recession this next year i think tesla is massive massive risk because they're at a point where they need to grow teslas are expensive as hell we all know that right um it, it could be it could be a problem especially if gas prices start coming down in a recession like they normally do right so so he could just we could see the perfect storm of a recession impacting consumer demand, their ability to buy Teslas, gas prices coming way back down, which is always a net negative for all EV companies, right? Um, this could be this could be a huge problem. At the same time that he's at Twitter and super controversial, right? Getting more controversial every day, uh, which I don't know how many customers that that is losing for Tesla. And no one ever talks about that. But I think it's actually a pretty big deal. I think there's a lot of people out there that would be buying Teslas that are not buying Teslas because at some point in the past 12 months, they see him as opposing their political beliefs, right or wrong, right or wrong. And and, and he's losing a massive number of customers. And it doesn't matter yet because he's not, you know, he still has more customers than cars to sell. But at some point, it's going to start impacting. Does he? Does he have more customers than cars to sell? I thought they had inventory numbers going is that am i wrong on that uh for the first time we're seeing um available inventory where it used to be your pre-orders were six months plus out right so now you can actually you can actually go on tesla and buy a car today which that hasn't been the case in the past yeah Uh, i need we need to i want to address henry Lu's 
Liu's comment. <clears throat> so funny watching this. Three successful investors freaking out about the current market. Just remember how you got here and what made you successful. Don't over trade. Don't short if you never did before. Uh, uh, Henry, I, I don't know what you know. You, you might not be listening to what we're saying. We are so heavily invested in in the global market through private investments. Eighty five percent of my net worth is tied up in 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 early and mid stage companies. Okay, so again, I'll repeat myself. Just a very small portion of our investable assets are, or at least for me, are available to invest in public markets and. I need to look at that as a precious asset, right? And I want to protect it so that there is money to go around when I'm more comfortable to actually invest in trade. So it's not that we're freaking out. It's that we're understanding of the tail risk. If all of my money was you know, put forth in the public markets, I would always be 70% plus invested always. Um, I don't think I would ever be under 70% invested long. Yes, I would not trade in this environment. I would not do anything crazy. I would just stay at least 70%, probably 80% long at all times. In fact, most of the time, I'm 150% long. You know that. I'm usually levered. I'm usually 150% long. Um, sometimes I'm 200% long, um, right, in, 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 in public markets. So we're not freaking out. We're just talking about the risk factors uh, so people can make the best decisions for themselves. Yeah, and that's exactly uh, what I'm doing. I'm not, I don't even have a hedge on right now, uh, but I'm not in margin. No, totally. Um, I can't wait to get back into margin. I don't know when that day is going to be. I miss it. <laughs> I miss it. Um, do you, do I will you never think be these, on margin. About the $8 thing, Dave. Like, do you, yeah. do you like that the $8 thing on Twitter? Uh, so I've been a Twitter Blue member since a long time ago because I actually like the features uh, that it that it has. I like to be I, – I paid them $2.99 a month just to be able to have bookmarks that I can then categorize into folders. Like, mm. that was worth – three dollars to me and then it went up to five dollars a while back um when they added the ability to i think what edit your tweets and there, there's I've, I've been a twitter blue member and so it doesn't really impact me i don't see most twitter users doing it i don't see it being a huge revenue driver for twitter i see it as being the people who really like twitter and are hyperactive on it it's a way to i mean the big thing everyone's talking about is you you get to buy the verified check mark and they're going to add some additional granularity onto your OG verified or you're a political person or you're, you know, they're going to differentiate that. But everybody gets the same check mark, and then they're going to have some additional layer of um, explanation. I don't find value in that, but I do find value in um, that check mark basically saying you're not a robot, you're not a spam bot, because so many spam bots were on the account impersonating me, reaching out to people with, with, you know, trying to sell them some scams. I'm, I'm happy to pay $8 to have the check mark next to me. And I don't think it is worth it to someone trying to impersonate me to also pay $8. Maybe it is maybe in mass. It is. It's definitely worth $8. Then that's my big issue. I hate it. You know, but, I've been, but it's I, not just the $8. It, you cannot. Um, and, and I think they're going to add some additional controls. You can't sign up twice on your iPhone. You can only, I can only have one account that is upgraded on my iPhone. And I have like, I manage the dumb money TV. I have my account. I have 
the bars account. I have a bunch of accounts. I can only pay for one because it's tied to the device. And eventually I think they're going to have some kind of level of like human check. Are you, do you have a driver's license or do you have a, a valid method of payment even? Okay. It, if they, if they do that, if they do that, that would be better. But right now there are a lot of ways to game it and people are already gaming it, right? They're already gaming the system and it's providing a false sense of security. <laughs> my only interest in it, and I've been verified for a while, a, few, a couple of years now, my only interest in being verified is it has helped with, uh, you know, fraudulent accounts that are out there scamming our followers, trying to get them to wire them money saying they're Dave or me or Jordan. And for me, at least, it has helped having that verified account on Twitter. And if this reverses that, it's going to really piss me off. And if it gives people the ability to pay eight bucks or right. do whatever to kind of say that they're one of us or and, and then they start scamming people that that's upsetting. I actually do think Twitter should have a verification process for just some sort of verification for everybody on there. I don't think they yeah. should charge for it. And if they do charge for it. I think it should be a one time fee, not like a monthly monthly like what he's trying to do it's it's purely monetary for him it's a cheap it doesn't even make sense like i don't think they're gonna get that many people i agree i don't think it's gonna meaningfully move the needle i don't think it's gonna meaningfully provide them with real revenue compared to their advertising revenue. but what it does i don't know what do you say like what if they have like a hundred thousand verified accounts and at that point that's like 15 million dollars a year in revenue that's money yeah, but what is the revenue off of advertising? I, I still think it's a billion. small percentage of advertising. Like $4 billion or something. Is and if you clean no, up the, money, the right? spam on, on the network, I think that only helps it be a higher quality. And he's also talking about bringing uh, monetization tools for content creators, which Twitter's always done a terrible job. And I think that that will help bring higher quality content to the platform. I think he has great ideas. I think because he is such a you know lunatic when it comes to using the product... He knows what's going to make it better. I think he has good ideas, and he's and he's actively he's changed his uh, title on there to like uh, chief complaint officer or something, and he's actively seeking um, input on how to make the product yeah, better and make put it that on his Twitter. He just tries to rile people up, right? So I I I think he should be more focused on listen Twitter Twitter Twitter's a lot of things, but it's 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 not a massive platform for creators honestly and it's not a massive platform in general um i think the type of things people talk about on twitter are so narrow it's sports it's stocks it's politics it's breaking news it's like 95 percent of what the vast majority of the world cares about and talks about every day they don't do it on twitter they're, they're doing it on tiktok they're doing it on they're it's not on twitter the but he's also on- he's also floated the idea of bringing vine back what if he brought something not vine but something that was a tiktok competitor within the twitter platform uh, that's, that's fine. the only way that it'll take off is if the fcc bans tick right and so yeah, agreed maybe, agreed maybe the twitter one has a chance uh, agreed or if you have an amazing monetization model uh, right, that t- uh, t- TikTok does not have. Yeah. Um, I actually yeah. think there's an opportunity for him to structure Twitter differently and monetize Twitter through corporate users, right? Um, through legit, 
if, if it is the modern day newspaper, right? Make the advertising a thousand times better is what I'm saying. Actually make the advertising better. Completely change up the advertising model on Twitter to where advertising is meaningful on Twitter and you can't avoid it. Stop asking us to pay money as just users. Treat it for what it is. It's a news source. It's a People talk about news and stocks and sports and stuff. And it's such a tiny number of people on Twitter that are active. Yesterday, though, when he was talking to the advertisers directly, um, he was talking about he's one of his plans is to not have one side of the company working on advertising, uh, the advertising algorithm and another side working on the relevant content that you see. That's all going to be one. And I think the advertising will become more relevant, more relevant to what you're talking about, what you're reading, what you're writing about. And I think I, I think he has a chance of like starting over and making it a legitimate top tier. I mean, it's it's a top tier social network, but I think he has a chance to greatly improve it. But it's not a public company, so I kind of don't care if it succeeds or fails. I enjoy using it. I would be very sad if it just went away. But I don't like like financially whether it makes money or not. That's that's all on Elon, right? I just hope it doesn't affect Tesla too much. I, I, I can or space care, I can or SpaceX, less. which we're also investors in. Yeah, exactly. Or Neuralink, <laughs> or all of all, like he has so much going on. How are we going to get to Mars if he's focused all of his time on on Twitter? Exactly my point. I, I I do not I do not really care. By the way, I'm just totally fine with Twitter the way it was. Like I know everyone complains about Twitter. It's, it works. It works. It it's fine for what it is. It's it like, works, it's, but I think it could be so much better because I use like can you imagine like if you didn't have to go to Instagram or TikTok or anything, if you could just get it all in I I enjoy a lot about Twitter. I wish I didn't have to go to other social networks. Oh. No, I totally disagree. I, I do not want any of the stuff I get on TikTok to be on Twitter. That would be a disaster. I, I It's just so culturally different. The vibe, the culture, everything is so, so different. Twitter is contextual in nature. Twitter is, we're, we're, feels more personal to me. I, that's what I like about it is that is a place where anybody watching the show right now can at Dave Hansen and I will see it in my inbox. When I check my, I, I don't Me often too. check my like unfiltered e- inbox. I, but once you make it through that thing, and I say that I know you or that I'm willing to receive your message, then we can have a, a legitimate conversation. But but Dave, we're nerds. Like people that are into like investing and sport nerds and and like and political nerds and you know that's who's on Twitter. Let's be honest. Like I see everybody on Twitter. The mass society is just not on Twitter. They literally don't even know it exists. It, I nobody, know, I know. The, the younger generation, Twitter is not even a thing. Like try finding how many people in middle school or high school, your average high school are on Twitter. Like one in a hundred? I don't know. Like it's, it doesn't even exist. Yeah, I agree with that, Chris. You have to find your niche on Twitter for it to even make sense. Cause you just follow a bunch of random stuff. I mean, it's, but but know. Jordan, what I'm trying to say is there, and Howard Lindzen said this best the other day, there actually are not a lot of niches on Twitter. There are tremendous niches on Reddit and stuff like that. Yeah. If you can get, like, if you're a gamer, you're not on Twitter talking about gaming. You're on your Reddit board. You're on like, but, yeah. but on Twitter, the only niches that really exist are politics, sports, and stocks for the most and technology like, honestly, and news. Psychology is basically is no technology and oh, news, and oh, those are all the things that I look yeah, for. That's, well, I don't yeah. need anything else. 
But 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 that's us. We're biased. That's but us. that's the we thing. I think I think there might be. I don't know that you know what, what are what are big genres on uh, TikTok like uh, fashion Everything. and TikTok. I don't think that they exist on, there's, on no, Twitter. There's, but I don't know. Maybe they do. There's ten thousand genres on TikTok. Like there's physical therapy. Tw- you know what? You know what area of TikTok I become obsessed with the last few weeks? It is freaking amazing. Uh. Disney adult Disney adult TikTok. But time These out, time people- out. You would have not searched for that on on Twitter. What if Twitter had a better discovery engine the same way TikTok did and just started force feeding you, hey, maybe he'll no. like a, an adult what did you say? No. Adult Disney? Adult yeah, maybe he'll Di- like adult Disney content. And all of a sudden you start getting so that on these Twitter. Are, these are crazy people their entire life, literally every second of their life when they're not working, because I assume they have jobs is focused on either Disneyland or Disney World and talking about Disneyland or Disney World and what's happening at the park and what they're planning at the park and how to do things at the park. It is it is like Scientology. It's if, crazy. If Elon made it more monetarily um, desirable to post that exact same content on Twitter and had a feedback engine that lets you scroll Twitter, you would you, you just wouldn't do it because you love TikTok yeah. so much. I don't think it will happen. I don't think it could happen. It, but what if it, he did? Vine happened before TikTok. Vine was the original shorts network. I don't think it will happen because of a couple reasons. One, I think unlike Twitter, Twitter is actually kind of Elon friendly. If you think about like the mix of Twitter, because we're there's a lot of business people and news people, and like they understand and like they're into the whole Elon thing. TikTok. The culture of TikTok would not work on Twitter's. I mean, could he create a brand did. new TikTok platform? TikTok was the Vine was the original the TikTok. Fa- but but you got to realize something, Dave. TikTok requires a universe for everyone, and Elon is polarizing, meaning that he, he would have a really hard time getting everybody just to leave and come on his version of TikTok. No, they don't have to leave. They could could just post elsewhere. Just like like right now, you see Mm -hmm. the exact same TikToks on Reels and on Facebook. No, Dave, you are missing TikTok if you just think Reels is TikTok. Yeah, Dave, you have no idea. TikTok and Vine... And no, the, the, you can video the Instagram algorithm has you can do all sorts of things within TikTok that you cannot do. It. It's a totally different experience. It's totally a, different experience. Totally different different half the time, half the time when I end up blindly scrolling through things and then realize that 30 minutes of my life was just sucked away and I'll never see it again. I don't even know which platform I'm in because the Reels experience and the TikTok experience are so in, similar. You're not really into certain niches then on TikTok. Okay, okay, let me, let me no, explain I'm for a random I'll thing t- they serve to me. Hold on, I'll explain it for Dave. When you're on when you're on Instagram Reels, what you are seeing, Dave, is a highlight reel of TikTok. And it's perfect for you because That's you're That's great. I didn't want to spend you. 6 hours on TikTok. I'm glad that they gave me 30 minutes of better stuff. It's fine. It's the stuff that we were watching on TikTok 3 weeks ago, but it's fine for you. It's fine. Okay, it it, it works for you and it works for a lot of people, by the way. A lot of people are on Instagram viewing TikTok basically through reels on Instagram. And that's okay. But I will say this, it's for older people like me and like, not like I'm as old as you, if not older than you, but it's for you, Dave, like nobody who's really young is, is doing, getting their TikTok experience on, on reels. They're just not doing it. That's not when I, when I have an hour to kill, I will open up TikTok, but I'm not searching for anything. 
whatever they show me, somehow they knew that I would like to see it because they've done such a good job. Yeah. Retention hacking editing has gotten so good that it yeah. will it makes me keep scrolling. Like I will, I I get sucked in. That's why I just yeah. try not to ever even open TikTok because, and the only reason I get sucked into it on Instagram is I'm checking for pictures of people that I know, and then all of a sudden they've they suck me in and get me to watch more reels. Here's the thing about TikTok: once you really get into TikTok, you don't even go to the for you page. You go to your fo- who you're following. No, I'm the opposite. I, do. I don't go to fo- I don't go to follows. I I just give I whatever they show up on my page. I, I don't even I follow for you page, anymore, but it's like really. maybe thirty percent. And seventy percent is the people that I follow, and I want to see what they're talking about. Jordan, they, Jordan, they, so I don't follow that many, so they do force me to watch the people that I follow. But I yeah. find that I go down the rabbit holes for things that I know. Ne- I'm pretty sure Chris doesn't follow a adult Disney channel, and somehow once you watch one, and once you give them the indication mm-hmm. by watching more than four and a half seconds of it, they know. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna line up another one in his queue and see if he also likes hey. that one. And these, the content is so good and so well-crafted. That's why I've stopped making videos on YouTube is because everything is short and everything is so much better than anything I make. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, like, I followed... I was I was just watching a TikTok live the other day with this one of these uh, Disney adults uh, that was just at Disney. Just... just I, I couldn't stop. It was just... I was like, this person's insane. It's insane, but it's so intriguing because of like they're like do you think people would watch our version of this on tiktok live because i do get kind of sucked into tiktok episode on tiktok live no um maybe i don't don't know you never know but you have to have like a thousand followers i have a thousand followers perfect thing like jordan got me watching this watch guy on tiktok and now i watch ben watches ben ben watches and like I, before you know, it's like 20 minutes. I'm watching this guy for 20 minutes just talking about what, and I don't even wear what a watch. I think interesting I about him watch. watches is he's like the, what's Gen Z, is he a Gen Zer? Yeah, he's so like you get 20. To see how Lord. somebody like that thinks, and you get to kind of understand like how they think about business. I think it's I think it's good to expand your horizons by tapping I, in on the younger generation. See what- TikTok is the most magical thing that's ever been created. It is I'm not going to get on my whole, you know, horse on TikTok again because it, it, it's 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 life changing. It's absolutely okay. amazing. Uh, and by the way, we are we are now live on uh, TikTok. Oh man, it was that easy. <laughs> this is going to be the, it'd be the worst. Are we going to see if anyone TikTok. actually likes watching this? Are, are you, you get just, to see behind the scenes just... of what I see? This is this is how I make the show. I have uh, the monitor there that I can talk to Chris and Jordan. That I can see myself. I have this other big monitor. Basically, it's, it's four monitors of the same thing. The thing is, should I watch it on TikTok while I'm also talking on TikTok? I don't know if I should yeah, do that. Yeah, probably. Let's like, see if I have uh, any viewers. Like into some uh, weird where do, where do you see viewers? I, I, don't, I don't know how to do this. Oh, I could add a live guest? Yeah. You now turn this into the worst YouTube show and the worst live TikTok of all time. <laughs> It's not great. <laughs> Does anyone have any questions at all on anything, any of our other stocks that we've talked about, anything at all? Open Q and A. This Dave, okay. So this episode was about uh, this episode was about crypto crashing or crypto being dead. We should probably have someone edit this because we've talked about so many different topics. We could release new videos 
on TikTok about all of the short topics that we've done today. Oh, look, um, Mr. Earth Guy is uh, is watching right now because he came from YouTube and now found we, me on TikTok. On. We have one watcher on your live. That's pretty good. Um, I don't know how many. Oh, and I have 146 watching right now. That's pretty good. Like, that's probably more than's watching on YouTube right now. How many people do we have on YouTube still? After we've been going for an hour and 40 minutes, do you think we still have anyone watching? Okay. Oh, look, Uh, I just got a new follower. Mr. Earth Guy followed me. And there are questions coming in, so we need need to get to them. Yes, I'm still long LAC. My, my My position is not super large, but I am still long LAC. They'll make their big announcement, I guess, in January or February about whether they receive final government approval to finally start work on their lithium plant. In yes, Nevada. I was supposed to come in November, and I got pushed back to the next year. Cor- correct. That's so why. That's why you saw the dip in the price in the last. You know. uh, Chris, tell me something about NFTs that's on your mind. A dip buy? You looking at? I only. Ca- There's only one thing that I'm really interested in when it comes to NFTs right now. At some point. At some point, I'm going to start accumulating a bunch more crypto pumps. I want to own like really? 10 cryptos. 10. I want to own I 10. have one for sale right now if you'd like it. Do you really? For sale? Um, uh, no, it's I, not I listed, own... but I would make a special deal and sell it to you. I want to own crypto punks. I don't know when crypto punks are going to bottom, but I feel like 15 to 20 years from now, that might be one of the very best digital investments of person. So I will be, I believe I will be buying more crypto punks at some point in time, probably in the next two years. I hope the market crash. I mean, I hope the crypto punk market goes down lower. I, I, it's, it, it's, it's crashed the and the price of Ethereum now. crashing, it really has impacted the uh, crypto punk market. Yep. Solana yep. So also, that, so Solana was crashing and that's. Yeah. Donuts or cookies? I would say, I mean, what do you think guys? Donuts or cookies? Well, just like generally, what would I rather eat? Yeah, it depends on the cookie, oh, right? Oh, cookies. Eat, so I don't do either. I will do a kolache, especially the ones with the in the jalapeno in them. I was okay. So you're saying a cookie, Dave, over like a Krispy Kreme donut? Oh Fresh? yeah, yeah. Flesh. I mean, donuts are donuts are enjoyable, but that's more of a special occasion. I could have cookies like every morning for breakfast. I know, but j- just someone's coming which I believe you, is right? a company that we're trying to uh, to get off the ground. Someone's coming up to you right now. And by the way, I have a Krispy Kreme story that's wild. But, but someone's coming up to you right now with a tray of hot Krispy Kreme donuts or freshly made cookies. Right this second, right this instant, which one do you take off the tray? What kind of cookie? Any kind of cookie you want. Oh, I take any the kind cookie. of Krispy Kreme donut. What? Cookie. Absolutely not. Jordan, donut, Wait, what? right? Are you not listening? Is this about, I already told you my answer between cookie and uh, donut, donut, right? No, okay, no yeah. either. I That's don't do sweets. I don't. I don't eat sweets. I, okay, so for my because um, I'm not a I'm not a ten year old dude. I don't need so sugar. Speaking of but speaking of Krispy Kreme, do you know that the labor shortage has gotten so bad in this city, Dallas, that Krispy Kreme on Greenville Avenue has shut down everything really? but their drive through because they of can, labor shortage? They can't. I confirm or because it. people they enjoy cannot, cookies over donuts. They cannot staff. They cannot staff Krispy Kreme, so it's. I've read something only. about the reason for this, or not the reason, but a reason for this, and it's because of short-term rentals and because of the rental market in general, especially around major metro areas. Um, and it gets even worse when you get into remote, like metropolitan areas, like you know around ski resorts and things like that. But it's because you have this, you know, what what you'd normally have for like the you know blue-collar population 
is being bought up and turned into short-term and even, you know, longer-term rentals, but mostly short-term rentals. And so it just drives, you know, people that would do blue-collar work away from these areas and you don't get um, you know, you don't get the labor close to major metro areas anymore. Just the, the rent is too damn high, Chris. It, it, it is a huge problem for our ice cream store in Manhattan, uh, yeah. catching ice cream. It's We cannot get enough labor there because you're right. They have to live so far away um, and yeah. commute. And it's hard to get people to work later at night. Who's talking, Dave? Is that? Uh, I just wanted to let you know that right now on um, TikTok Live, people can join the conversation. You can't do that on YouTube. Look, I've got Mr. <laughs> Earth Guy right right here on my live stream. And for those of you watching my uh, TikTok, to... uh, thanks for thanks for tuning in. This is a this is the first time we've uh, tried a TikTok live on the uh, Hey There Dave here TikTok. Um, maybe maybe if I got a stand or something, we could just do this um, on every Dumb Money Live. We'll just do a simulcast of what's going on on TikTok Live. But uh, Mr. Earth Guy, what's what's going on on TikTok? Yeah, you should definitely, definitely use this as a platform to push out your, let's say, more educational stock content. It's a great way. I follow so many on TikTok that, you know, we have stocks and news and stuff. And the stuff that you guys do is, and uh, I, I tune in to most of your YouTube. But if you guys definitely sort of came across a TikTok, you would definitely get a lot of following. And your stuff's quite valuable, to be honest. I just got to Thank you so right. much. I appreciate it. And we, we've been thinking about it. We just don't have a good uh, go-to strategy for how to actually make it work because what we do is kind of ramble on and i feel what does well on tiktok is a more structured like hook that grabs you and something uh something to keep you watching and then some good payoff at the end and what we do on this show at least doesn't seem to be concise enough i think it's both right and so i think if we had you know short like little three minute content sections that are like the pre-recorded ready to put out TikToks that that would do well. And then you do TikTok live. I can't believe that person was, I didn't know on TikTok live people can like get on and speak. Yeah, you can, yeah, I, can I can have uh, multiple, uh, have I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah. to be able to uh, a live conversation. So wait, 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 six people can join and we can have like yeah. a multi-screen. So the three of us can each have our phones going and have our show right on TikTok. But other people can randomly like hop into our conversation. If you invite, no. If I I invited, I saw he was the first person to come in from the YouTube channel, and so I invited him. And I'm going to now disconnect him. Thank you so much for. uh, If you invite them on, and they have more than a thousand followers, and yeah, you you can collab. Now my uh, view count dropped dramatically. I only have twelve people now. I had like 150 earlier. (laughs) Yeah, once they saw what we were doing, they're like, "I'm out." Well, they saw that I was basically holding a camera up to multiple screens and i'm gonna i'm gonna uh, improve the production value and we'll come up with a version of this that that works better next time thank you guys for uh for bearing with me i hmm. okay um i think we're done what else? <laughs> nice. all right well if you want to see the after show if you want to know what goes on after we sign off on youtube uh head over to tiktok and find me i'm uh at hey there dave here are we just going to keep going on TikTok? Yeah, we're going to keep going. On t- I'm just going to let everyone know that this is so what we'll happens. Just a, we'll just have our normal after show personal conversation. Yes. But have it on TikTok live. And it's going to be on TikTok live all for right. all we'll 14 people watching right now. All right. Th- th- thanks for hanging with us. Today, thanks guys. for, yes. You guys stuck. We didn't even know we were going to go this long. So uh, thanks for watching on YouTube and join us over on TikTok for the after party.